John chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 1 onwards. John chapter 6, from verse 1 onwards. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were deceased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Shall we close our eyes one more time? Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word. Let me be a doer of your word. And not a hearer only. And not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit. Let me bring forth much fruit. To the praise. To the praise. And glory. And glory. Of God the Father. God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. I will listen. I will listen. And obey. And obey. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise be to God. I'm going to read one more time from John chapter 6 and from verse 1 onwards. I will read. Please have your Bibles open. Even if you can hear me read, like I like um, tell you all the time, it's good to have your Bibles open so you know that I'm really, really reading from the Bible. You need to see it for yourself. That's very important. And then when you give importance to God's Word and you open the Bible and you read, you know, it doesn't matter if you read it, you know, from the phone like I'm doing just now, or you're going to read it, you know, from your iPad or on your computer, or you're going to read it from your physical Bible, make sure you have the word of God in front of you. That's what matters the most that you read it. As I'm reading, you also read, it'll bless you. It'll bless your heart. It'll bless your mind. It'll help you to focus. And it'll also, you know, bless you as you read because you're giving priority to the word of God. And so praise God. So just take your Bibles and open your Bibles to John chapter six and We'll read from verse 1. I can give you one more minute for you to open your Bibles to John chapter 6. And we will read from verse 1 onwards. John chapter 6 from verse 1 onwards. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So Jesus is moving from one place to the other. He went over the Sea of Galilee and he's going somewhere else. We're going to see where he's going and what he's going to do. Then a great multitude followed him. Jesus is going. A lot of people are going after him. They're following him. Why? Because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. We know that Jesus did lots and lots and lots of miracles, different types of miracles. There was nothing that Jesus was not able to do. All those who came to Jesus, the Bible says, with faith, were all healed. All those who touched the hem of his garment by faith, they were all healed. So every single person who came to Jesus Christ, all of them got healed because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when people saw these things, they said, hmm, we want to follow this Jesus Christ because of all the mighty miracles that we're seeing him perform. And 
verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain. There he sat with his disciples. So he crossed over. He came and people all came. And now he is with his disciples. Where? Up on the mountain. And there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude come. I will read one more time from verse 1 again. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming towards him. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, you have the multitude following Jesus. You have the disciples following Jesus. And you have Jesus Christ. You have the multitude following Jesus Christ because of what he did. And you have the disciples following Jesus Christ because they were called. One group is following, seeing what he did and what he can do. And the other group is following because they were called to follow and they chose to follow him. Two different reasons, two different groups of people. Now, we have several messages from this same section in different ways that the Lord has spoken to us. So we're going to see what God is going to speak to us this afternoon from this very same section that we uh, have heard many, many times before. Multitudes who followed Jesus for what they received from him, for what they saw. Then you have the disciples who were disciples, not the crowd, but they were disciples who followed Jesus Christ because they were called by him. And when they were called, they responded to the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two groups of people. You have to think and see, where do I fit? Do I fit among those who just go after Jesus because he did something for me? Or because he's doing something for somebody. And just because we received and just because we saw him do something, I'm going. Or are we coming because we know that God called us and I'm responding to the call of Jesus. All these people, including the multitudes, were all called by God. And that's why he did the miracles. He did the miracles to reveal to the people who he was. They were all called to follow Jesus. But every single group decided to what extent they were going to follow him and for what reasons. We as God's people should be people who follow Jesus Christ, not because he's offering something, but for who he is. Because he has called me, I'm going to follow him wholeheartedly and all the way through. Even with the disciples we saw, only one disciple was by the foot of the cross. All the other ones, they ran away. So within the crowd, we see a group, and within the group, we see another group, and within that group, we see another group. That's how the body of Jesus Christ or the body of believers at large are, even to this day, a wide variety of people pursuing Jesus Christ for various reasons. Our motives, if they are pure, 
God can do great and mighty things. We can get much from God, way beyond what God can do, just healings of some type of healings that we can receive in our bodies. Those are good. It shows that God cares for us. But the physical miracles that God does for us is important. It shows his care. But the main reason why he does those things is to touch our soul because our soul is going to live forever. I've said this before, and I want to say this again through the spirit of God, that the souls of human beings live forever. Our bodies are tents given by God to house the soul that is going to live forever. Where our soul is going to go is determined by how we live our lives here on the face of the earth. Did we respond to the call of God? Did we obey the call of God? And when we obeyed him, to what extent we obeyed him is very, very important. We have to understand that, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who called us to himself, is looking for people that he can trust so he can give them some important things to do, important things that he wants to give into their hands so that they can become partakers of his glory. In order for you to benefit from what Christ can do, Christ calls you. If you're taking notes, write this down. In order for my own personal benefit, Christ calls me to leave everything and pursue him. Not for God's benefit, but for your benefit. In order for you to be blessed, in order for you to prosper, in order for you to thrive, in order for you to be blessed physically, spiritually, materially, emotionally, relationally, financially in this world and have eternal life and many more to come in eternity, God is calling you. That's what following Jesus Christ is. So many people followed him for many reasons. Now, that's not going to be the main topic that the spirit of the Lord wants to speak. And he wants you to move further. So we're going to move further. But in passing, this is very important. That's the reason why the spirit of the Lord is addressing this. That our motive for following Jesus Christ must be checked. It must be checked. Why am I following And if it is not pure, doesn't mean that, okay, it's not pure, so I'm not going to follow him. No, if it's not pure, purify it. If your pot is dirty, what are you going to do? Your coffee pot is dirty, what are you going to do? Every day after you drink coffee, you're going to throw it out? No, if your pot is dirty, you're going to wash it. So if your motive is not pure, God is not saying, well, your motive is not pure, so you know what, you don't, I don't need you, don't come near me. No, if your motive is not pure, what God says is purify yourself. I will purify you. You purify yourself. Come to my presence while I purify you and show you things, bring out things from within. You need to say, Lord, when you say this got to go, that'll go out immediately. And those are the people God can do great and mighty things in their lives. Praise be to God. I see someone in the waiting room. If you know someone that you invited and you are not seeing them here and you think that could be them, please let them know to label their device. Praise be to God. So verse five, then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a multitude, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, he saw a lot of people and out of all the disciples, Jesus turning to one particular disciple and he's asking a question. And the question is, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So Jesus Christ is giving a need before one of the disciples. Philip is getting this question. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
It's not because Jesus doesn't know. It's not because Jesus was unprepared. Jesus didn't have a meeting over there but on top of the mountain, not knowing that he was going to have a long meeting with many hours and all these people are going to be there with their families, with their babies and with the little ones. And Jesus doesn't care because, oh, he is single, by the way, and he has all these disciples who just go with him. And, and uh, so he didn't prepare for this big meeting. No, many times people can get thoughts like that in their heads that come from Satan. Every move of God is moved with a definite purpose. If he comes as if he's not prepared, then there's a test that's going to take place there for the people who are there. And there's going to be a miracle that he will also perform. There's going to be something that God will do. And this miracle that Jesus does here is not just some physical miracle. There's something deeper God did here. That's what the Lord wants to address here. To really move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Praise be to God. Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Many times God comes to you with questions like these. Many times he'll bring something to you and he will say, You need to be doing this or you should be doing this. Our reply should be, Lord, I don't know. You know everything. You tell me what I need to do. I will do it. We should be in that position all the time. Ready and willing to do what God wants us to. Whatever God wants us to do, we should be ready and willing to do in the midst of whatever circumstance it may be. Those are the ones God will use mightily in the days to come. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Looks like a huge responsibility. Oh, Philip. So many people are there. Jesus is taking this big job and putting it on Philip's head. At the outside, when somebody sees, that's what they'll think. What is Jesus thinking? Asking Philip to do such a big job. What is Philip going to do? One person. How come Jesus didn't think about this? How come Jesus didn't think when he saw these people to tell them, go home, go home, go home. There's no food nearby. When I come somewhere where there are more markets next to you or more places where they sell food and where you can buy food, then you can all come and then I will give the word over here, no food. No. Jesus exactly knew what he was doing. He knew every time. It got delayed and delayed and delayed and he was ministering. He was preaching and praying for people and healing the sick. And it got later and later and later. And the presence of God was there and the people were all staying there. He knew how long it took. And and he also knew how long it was going to take. Knowing all of that, he stayed there. Just like in Lazarus's case. When he heard that Lazarus is sick, he knew that Lazarus was going to die too. Knowing that he delayed there, not because he didn't care, because he cared, because he wanted something better for Lazarus and he wanted something better for the people there. God has his best interest for you. God thinks good thoughts about you and for you. God's plans are way better than your plans and God's thoughts are way higher than your thoughts when your thoughts are not in line with God. When your thoughts are in line with God, you will think like God, you will act like God, you will talk like God, you will walk like God. When you spend considerable amount of time in the presence of God and your life is yielded to doing the will of God, period. 
nothing more, nothing less. We see here, this question was asked to Philip, who was a disciple who left everything and followed Jesus. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? With this, he said to test who? Philip. For he himself knew what he would do. It's important to pass the test when God brings the test to us. But what if you fail the test? That's what today's message is about. What if you fail the test? God moves his people out of his mercy and out of his grace. From a place of unbelief to a place of faith. This is God's word for his people today. God moves his people from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. And how does he do that? We're going to see that. How God moves his people from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. A place of failure to a place of success. God does not want you to stay in a place of failure. Oh, I failed, 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 and I'm a big failure. Many people think that way. Being a failure equals not being a Christian. A Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ who is destined to be more than a conqueror. So if you are following Jesus Christ, who is the victor, whose path itself is victorious. Yes, we have troubles. Yes, we have tribulations. Yes, we have sufferings. Yes, we can get sick. Yes, we can have pain. Yes, we can have all kinds of, you know, shortage and all kinds of things happening in our lives. But we know one thing. Every time something happens, we have the victorious Lord God going before us. And every problem will turn into a triumphant testimony for his people. That's where the difference is. So if you are a believer, failure is not part of your package that Jesus gave to you from the cross. Jesus gave you victory. More than a conqueror through him who loved us and who gave himself for us is who we are. That's who you are. If you have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you would have said, Lord, I know that you died for me, and I know that you are my Lord, and I know that I need to follow you, and I'm taking steps to follow you, then steps that are necessary to follow you. God says, I have this package for you on the cross that I have it labeled with your name on it. And the package has everything that you need for you to live a godly life in this world and in the world to come. A victorious life with no defeat. That's a package. Victorious life with no defeat. God has called you to live a victorious life with no defeat. I'm not speaking some other language or some other theory from some other book. This is from God's word. This is God's, God's eternal goal for you in Christ Jesus, which is for you to be triumphant in all things, just like how Jesus was triumphant. In every situation, in every fiery trial, through Jesus, I will overcome. Through Jesus, I will overcome. As he overcame, I will overcome. As he overcame, I will overcome. More than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Who? You. If you believe and if you follow the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no defeat in the path of the cross. Every time you put your foot exactly in the footprints of Jesus Christ, every step you take is marked with his grace and victory. 
Grace to endure and grace to overcome. Grace to endure, grace to win. Grace to endure, grace to win. So a Christian, a Christian is a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, not because you're born in a Christian family, not because you go to church, not because you sing some songs, and not because you give some tithes or offerings, no. A Christian is a person who follows Jesus Christ and who obeys him in all things. A follower of Jesus Christ and who obeys him in all things. So now, Philip, Jesus is asking him this question, and Jesus is testing him. We saw how in the Old Testament, God tested Abraham. And we also see in the New Testament how God tests all. He tests all his disciples. You'll be tested. I'll be tested. I've been tested many times. You have been tested many times. And we all will be tested many, many times. Because before a promotion comes, before a blessing comes, a test will come. Before a miracle comes, a test will come. Have this in your mind. No one is exempt from test taking. No one. If you want to be blessed, you will be faced with a test. Even Joseph in the Old Testament time, the word of God tried him. He was put to test. Job was put to test. Daniel was put to test. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were put to test. Apostle John was put to test. Peter's faith was put to test. Every single person who follows Jesus Christ will be put to test. Their faith will be put to test. Is your talk real? Is your faith genuine? When shall it be? revealed when you go through the test. So here, Philip's faith was tested. Philip's faith in what Jesus can do was tested. Philip's faith in Jesus Christ was put to test. Now, Philip was a follower of Jesus Christ, but did he pass the test? The first test, initial test. Did he pass it? Let's see, verse 6. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Philip failed the test. Jesus gives him a job to do. Instead of asking help from Jesus in accomplishing the job, Philip failed the test. He basically said, Lord, this is not possible. How many times in your life when God comes and tests you, you say, Lord, this is not possible and you fail the test? Many times. Many of you have failed multiple times. Now, does God say that because you fail multiple tests that you're not going to pass the next time? No. God's goal is for you to pass the test. Even if you had failed 10 times, God says, I'm bringing the 11th time for you, for you to pass the test. It's important for us to hear the word of God and obey. Philip heard the first time. He saw the miracles. He heard what Jesus said, but he failed the test. Many times you might have heard the word of God and you might have still failed the test because you never applied what you heard in your lives. God is speaking to our hearts today. Real faith is faith that will take what God has spoken, will take the spoken word of God and will apply it. You know, you can have yeast, right? You can get like the quick yeast or whatever yeast when you make bread at home. We've all done that. You know, if you've not done that, you can try. But I think most women would have done it. If you made homemade breads or whatever, even homemade pizza, whatever you do, you can take that yeast packet. You all know what that is. 
you can take that. And how many of you think that you can have the bread here and have the yeast packet there and keep it in the cover and say, well, I have these both. And now tomorrow morning when I get up, the dough is going to rise somehow. Somehow the yeast that is in the packet will wiggle its way out and jump into that dough. And somehow the dough will mix itself with the yeast. And here I will have this dough. And then I will come and I will make this pizza or bread. It doesn't happen. How many of you think that, well, I'm going to open it and I'm going to put it to one side. The dough is going to be on side. I don't want to put it and I don't want to mix it and I don't want to hurt my fingers or I don't want to wash the pan and I want to do these things. I'll just open it. Ripping the package is a big thing for me. And I will pour that yeast over here. I'll just leave it like that and then I'll get a good pizza. How many of you will think like that'll happen? It doesn't work that way in the physical realm. Yet, in the spiritual realm, many people think like that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and not do a thing about what they need to do. God is looking for people of action. Not just words. Words are good. If those words are spoken over you and you take those words and speak it over yourself in order to accomplish what you have spoken. It's very important. Very important. Talk is all good. It's important. You speak out God's word to shut down the words of the enemy. It's important. That's the first step. But then what do you do? The enemy will stand and say, oh, I see all the talk. Okay, I'll keep quiet and let's see. And then if you don't take any action, you know what Satan will do? He will take action. You need to talk to shut down the works of the enemy. And then you need to take action in order to shut down the actions of the enemy. If you don't do it, You're not going to win. You're not going to overcome. You're not going to pass the test. So here, Philip failed the test. What did he do? He spoke words of unbelief and he didn't do anything about what Jesus said. Jesus asked him something. That means he expected Philip to do something, which was to depend on God Almighty, to depend on the living word, the living bread that was in front of him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to say, oh, Jesus, I don't know how to do this, but Lord, you're the miracle worker. You can do it, Lord. You tell me what I need to do. Anything you want me to do, I will do it. That should have been the response. You know what Philip did? Philip acted as if Jesus was not there. Philip acted as if it was Peter who was talking to him. Many times we do that. When God calls us to do something, we immediately flatly talk, boldly talk to who? The Spirit of God directly saying that, well, you're calling me to do something? That's not possible because these are all the reasons why it's not possible. May God help us never to repeat that folly. We need to be very careful. When God calls us for something and he tests us, it is for our promotion at that point. It is for our exaltation. It is for God to move us from where we are, from the first step to the second step, from grade one to grade two, from kindergarten to upper kindergarten or preschool. God is not preschool, preschool to kindergarten, kindergarten to first grade, whatever it is, from where you are to one step higher. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. The test that God brings to us, we should pass. Now, if we failed, like how Philip failed, what are we supposed to do? God wants to move you from where you are. Lord, I'm not able to move. I'm not able to move. I'm not able to move. And God says, you know what? I'm going to come and give you that push. I'm going to do some more for you. After that, you have to get up and run. At that point, if you say that, carry me, I can walk, but carry me. 
one year old can be carried, two years old can be carried, even three years old can be carried, even four years old can be carried. How about, you know, if you're 20 years old and you come to, mommy, carry me, I can't walk. Oh, that looks scary at that point. We need to grow. If your legs are not functioning, then you need to be carried. If you're not able to get paralyzed, then you will need to be carried. So when you're not able to walk and you need to be carried, that shows that something is wrong there. There has to be that strength that needs to take place. So if you are there in a place where you feel, Lord, I failed the test. Failed the test. What do you do next? Let's see what Jesus did and let's see what happened. Philip failed the test. We need to know that. Philip failed the test. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them and that every one of them may have a little. It's not going to happen, Lord. What in the world are you asking? It's not going to happen. That was Philip's attitude and his word, which is wrong. He failed the test. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, He comes here and he says to Jesus, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? The next man, full of unbelief, comes here, thinking that he's giving a smart answer. Understand this. Just because two people are saying the same thing doesn't mean it's right. Two disciples are speaking foolishness out of their mouths. Saying that, oh Lord, you cannot do anything here in this place. And you are asking us to do something. Suddenly they all thought that they were bigger than Jesus. That Jesus had no powers. That all the miracles that Jesus just did and all the people who came after Jesus are all sitting for nothing here. How did that happen? After following Jesus for so long. After seeing so many miracles. How did that happen? It can happen. If you don't guard your heart, if you don't continue in what God has spoken, that means if you don't abide in his word, it is very possible to become just like this. Be in a place where Jesus is working. See miracles and signs and wonders like we see in our church happening. And then sit. And say words of unbelief. Say, it's not going to happen. When God calls you to do something that's not possible, all of a sudden, speak words of unbelief. Fail the test. You're the next person here, Andrew. Coming here and he says, I have this, but what's that going to do? It's not going to be enough for anybody. It's for that boy his mommy sent this food. That's all we have. We have nothing. So two disciples, one was called and the other one came in and he spoke up. You see, the spirit of unbelief. Imagine how Jesus would have felt seeing his disciples. After showing all these things, after receiving all these teachings, after seeing all the miracles, being with the anointed one ever who lived on the planet, ever, the anointed one, Jesus. Look how his disciples were. Full of unbelief. One was like this. The next one was like this. 
at least the next one should have said, Lord, you know everything. You just did so many miracles. So you can do it. Tell us what we need to do. But both of them were like this. Imagine how Jesus would have felt. Jesus didn't let this get to him. You know, Jesus is always in the business of recovery. He wants to recover his disciples and he also wants to show something to the people who are there too. The whole focus was his disciples. That's the first priority. Next was all those who came. His heart would have felt so heavy. You guys, you're with me. I expected you to pass the test. Now there are some people who say, God is not disappointed with you. He already knows that you're going to fail. And well, those are all devil talk, not God's talk. Satan preps up people for failure by those talk. God expects us to overcome. God expects us to win. Test is given so that the results could be seen. And God expects us to win. Satan also stands there and he says, let me see. Let me see what answer you're going to give. And he's very happy. He says, well, you believe me more than you believe Jesus, even though you're with Jesus. That's what Satan would say. But Jesus is in the business of recovery. It's like, you're with me, and I'm teaching you so much. Now I'm giving you a test to see where you stand. You failed. Now, what does Jesus do, the teacher? He tries to help them more. You know how you have interventions in school? Like that. He intervenes. And his whole focus is to make them pass the test once more. This is who our God is. No matter what you're going through. No matter what you're facing. No matter how many times you might have failed your test. Because your tests have been given by God for your promotion. You missed all the promotions. You missed all whatever the Lord had for you. But God has something in store for you. You have another chance to pass. God wants to do a work of grace in your life. God wants to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be through the power of his word. It is so important for you to give priority to the word of God. These guys were there with him. But what happened? Being with Jesus, going with Jesus, you know, doing whatever. They're all like the first class people who were right with Jesus, knowing all the insights. Cool. But what was happening? Failed the test. Failed the test. Jesus came to restore. He said, I'm not going to leave you like this. This is not why I called you. This is not why you left everything and came. You're doing good. What happened to you now? I'm going to see how I can get you from where you are to where I want you to be. God is speaking to our hearts this hour. Don't get discouraged. Don't let discouragement come near you. That's what the devil will do. He'll make you do something foolish and then he'll fill you with guilt. It's not a remorse that needs to come that will lead you to godly repentance and after that be deliberate in doing the right thing. But the work of Satan is to make a person fall and then make them feel guilty and make them sit there as long as he wants them to. That's not God's way of doing things. So what did Jesus do? After Philip failed, now Andrew comes and he fails. 
Then let's see what happens. Verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Tell the people to sit down. Now there were much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. You know what happened next? In order for them to pass the test, Jesus is giving them another command. The first words of Jesus Christ, when they heard it, they failed. Now he's giving them another opportunity. I'm giving you another opportunity to pass a test. I'm giving you a job to do. Let's see. It takes faith now, knowing that there's nothing there, knowing that there's only this small amount of food from this little boy that's there, which they believe that is not sufficient for anything. Philip knowing that, oh, you can't get food from anywhere around. And he knew that, okay, I said this to Jesus and, and now Andrew comes and he says something to Jesus. Both of them failed. Jesus Christ gives them another test, which is make the people sit down. Make the people sit down. Even though there's nothing there, make the people sit down. This is very similar to the test that came to the servants who were there in that village of Cana where the marriage took place, where Jesus told the people, fill those six ceremonial jars with water and go and take it to the master of the ceremony and have him taste it. Now there's nothing there. It's empty. They're told to fill it with water. Now, people know how water tastes. To take that to the master of the ceremony, for these servants to tell them, can you please taste this? And for him to know that there's a shortage and he's drinking it, and what do you think they would have thought? In the natural realm, that guy would have taken that and thrown it at them and said, are you mocking me? Don't I know how water tastes? I'm already frustrated there's no wine, and what is this? The servants didn't do that. When Jesus told them to do something, they did what Jesus told them to do, knowing that they're not the miracle workers. Jesus Christ is. That's how you need to be. When you're told to do something, know that you are not the miracle worker. Christ is. Christ is. If he tells you to do something, then you will be able to accomplish that because it's his word that sustains, his command that comes and his command that will sustain when you walk on that command by faith. Obey it. God is speaking to our hearts today. Now the second test came to these people, the disciples of Jesus, where Jesus commanded them to make the people sit. All those people, more than 5,000 people, all of you, they have to sit by rows. A lot of grass was there and he made them all sit. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. I mean, imagine if the men were 5,000, how many women would have been? How many children would have been? Made them sit, all of them. From this story, we know if a little boy was there who brought food, there were many other children that were there. And all these people are not going to leave their children at home by themselves. A lot of people were here. More than 10,000 probably, double the amount. All of them were made to sit with nothing there. For them to eat. 
what is happening in the hearts of the disciples as they obey faith? God is telling us to do this. He is the Lord. We're going to do it. What does this do when you obey the word? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Is it by just putting an audio Bible and say, I hear in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And you, you know, hear John chapter one and, and, uh, you just, you know, hear something and then you shut it off and then you go and, you know, you do something and then you come around and say, okay, let me hear this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then you shut it off and then you go somewhere else and Psalm 91 and you say it five times and you go, is that what it is? No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When Jesus said many times in the gospels and also in the book of Revelation, he who has ears, let him hear. What does that hearing mean? Ears that would obey. Faith comes by hearing. That means when the word comes in, those who take the word and obey are the ones whose faith will be increased. And a lot of times people pray, Lord, increase my faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. He will give you more faith. How does it happen? It happens by you taking what God has given, putting it to use, obeying. This is how important obedience is. Because when you obey God, it increases your faith. When you really obey God, that's when you really show that you are hearing the word of God. So the word of God is not simply sitting at a meeting and I'm just hearing, okay, I heard it. I heard the word in the morning call. I heard the word in the Bible study. I heard the word you know, on Sundays. I heard the word here. I heard the word there. And what is it doing? What are you doing with what you heard? It's very important. And as you take the word and be a doer of the word, that's the only person who is going to bring forth much food. When you're a doer of the word, then you are a hearer of the word. The doers of the word are the hearers of the word. Write this down. The doers of the word are the hearers of the word. If you don't do the word, you're really not a hearer of the word. It's just like water falling on a rock, going on deaf ears. Those who do the word, Jesus likened those people as wise people who built their house upon the rock. Those are the ones. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You know, and the Lord spoke to us during worship. He spoke about how Abraham, he built, not Abraham, Noah, he built the ark by faith, with faith that his family will be saved. He built the ark with faith for the saving of his household, the Bible says. Faith. He believed in the rain that God said. He believed in the flood that God said. He believed in the place of safety that God said. And therefore, what did he do? He built the ark along with his family. And that's why they were all saved it's not that I believe and you don't do anything. If you don't do anything, you'll be swept away by the flood. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. If you failed the test last time, you have another test coming. Make sure you pass. In order for that to happen, make sure you be a doer of the word. Whatever word you have, whatever word you've been given, whatever word God has given into your possession, make sure you be a hearer. A listener, that means a doer. A listener equals a doer. A hearer equals a doer. If you take the doing part, then you are not a listener. If you take the doing part, then you are not a hearer. That's what Jesus said. That's what God's word says. And so, now they passed here. This test they passed. They made the people sit. It's an expression of faith. Yeah, we failed. But now God is going to do something. 
He's going to do something. He's told us to do something. Let's make them sit. Next. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. The disciples to those sitting down. And likewise, other fish and as much as they wanted. And so when they were filled, his, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Mission accomplished. Jesus' mission accomplished. The people who came, he wanted to impart faith in them. It happened. The disciples who didn't have faith, he imparted faith in them. That was accomplished. What did he do for that? He gave them another test. He gave them another job to do for his disciples. And what did he do? When they obeyed, Jesus showed his power. Anytime you obey what God tells you to do, there's a divine intervention. There's a divine intervention. God will do great things in your lives when you believe what God tells you to do and simply do it. That's what faith is. That's what living faith is. Otherwise, everything else is empty talk. So, Jesus gives these people a job to do. Those who fail the test, and they all passed now. They made them sit. Now, something else is happening. Jesus takes that five loaves and two fish, and he lifts it up to the Father, and he gives thanks to God in front of everybody. Look at these. Just five loaves and two fish. Look at these. There's all that's there. But I'm not complaining about these, because I know what I can do with this. Empty? Or with little, God can do anything. So he took this and he gave thanks. What is he teaching to the people here, to the disciples here? What is he teaching? He's telling them, hey, you complained about no food around. Hey, you complained about very little that you have. Learn to be thankful because Thanksgiving is an expression of faith. If you take notes, write this down. Thanksgiving to God with what you have is an expression of faith. When there's a need, thank God for what you have. A lot of times people look at what they don't have and miss out on what they have and complain. Complaining is an expression of unbelief. Thanksgiving is an expression of faith. Complaining is an expression of unbelief. Complaining from your heart shows what is inside, which is unbelief. Praising God is an expression of faith. So what did Jesus do? He's showing them. With the little I have, look what I'm doing. I'm praising God. For what? For what he's going to do with the little I have. That's what faith is. Faith is not, Lord, I thank you. I thank you because I have very little, even though nobody has any food. It's okay that they don't have any food. And you know how people thank with prayers of unbelief? That's not the prayer what God is looking for. The prayers of faith is, Lord, you've given these five loaves and two fish, and I know you're going to do something with these five loaves and two fish. I know that you're going to feed all of these people with five loaves and two fish. That's what faith is. Faith will see the way God sees. Faith will pray the way God would want it to happen. Faith would declare in the earthly realm what God has declared in the heavenly realm. That's what faith is. 
Faith will do what God does. Faith will talk what God talks. You know when that faith will happen? It doesn't happen for everyone spontaneously. It happens when you spend time with the Father, just like how Jesus did. So here Jesus is showing these disciples, these disciples, hey, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to live. Live like Jesus, a man of faith. So after he gave thanks to God, now what is he doing? He is giving another test to the disciples. He's giving what he had to them. The Bible doesn't say, once Jesus gave thanks to the Father, then all of a sudden, a miracle took place, and there were bread and fish everywhere. It just came down from heaven, rained down, and it fell on the laps of all the people along with the basket, and they all suddenly had baskets of fish and bread. No, it doesn't, didn't happen that way. He gave what he had into the hands of the disciples. Now the disciples with what they had, need to take the step of faith to begin to distribute what they have. For how many people? Around 10,000 people. 5,000 men only. You have women and children. Many, many people. They had to take that step of faith. God is speaking to us today. God wants you to pass your test. God wants you to become strong in faith. Abraham was not weak in faith, the Bible says. Neither should you. If you want to see miracles in your life, you need to become a man of faith, a woman of faith. Not just someone who talks faith, but who walks faith. Who exhibits faith, who manifests faith, and that's what real faith is. That's when we can actually say that you have faith. If not, no. God is speaking into our hearts at this hour. God gave another chance for Philip. God gave another chance for Andrew. God gave another chance for his disciples. They passed the test. Moving from unbelief to belief. Moving from unbelief to faith. is what God wants to do in the hearts of his people today. Wherever you may be in your walk with the living God. God is speaking to you at this hour. God wants to move you forward. God wants to move you forward. You might have failed the test before. It's not okay. It's not okay. Remember that. God's not going to say, it's okay, you failed the test. No, no, no. God has his grief in his heart that you failed. But God says, I want to move you forward. So I'm going to do something for you. Cooperate with me and do what I'm telling you to do. God is giving you another opportunity so that you can pass the test. God will give many more opportunities for you to pass many more tests so that he can bless you in a multiplied manner. Many fold. The Spirit of God is speaking to our hearts today. He wants to move you from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. To a place of weakness to a place of strength. To a place of doubt and fear to a place of faith and peace. But God wants to show his miracles. If you want to see God's miracles take place in your life, you must move from the realm of unbelief to the realm of faith. That's where miracles will take place. When the disciples took that step of faith to distribute it, they saw it multiply and 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 multiply. They saw miracles. When? When they moved from the state of unbelief to the state of faith. 
God wants to move you from the state of unbelief to the state of faith. Do you want to move with him? God wants to show his miracle working power in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, in every area of your life. Are you willing to believe that he is able to do those miracles in every area of your life? Or do you limit the Holy One of Israel and you say that, well, how can we do this? How can this happen? This is not humanly possible. Are you looking with the eyes of unbelief? Or are you looking with the eyes of faith? You might have failed the test before. But God wants to move you from being a failure to being a success in the eyes of God. That's the key, in the eyes of God. God wants to move you from a place of failure to a place of faith. To, from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. God wants to show his power. How can you see his power? If you give room to unbelief. How can you see his power? If faith is not there. How can you see his power? If there's no room for faith. How can you see his power? If obedience is not there. Obedience is an expression of our faith in God. When we simply do what he tells us to do. Even when it doesn't make sense. But we still do it. It shows that we believe in the word of God. That's when we really show that we are listening to God Almighty. That's when it really shows that we are good listeners. That's when we have ears to hear. Otherwise we have ears, but not to hear. We can take notes, then we can have notes, then we can have messages, and we can have audio messages, and we can have video messages, and we can have audio Bible playing night and day in your sleep and in your waking and all kinds of things. But if it's not shown in your action, guess what? Nothing is going in. If you are not a doer of the word, then you're not making use of the word of God. May God help you to understand this deep truths that God has released to you this afternoon. Obeying is your job. God will not do it for you. He will encourage you. He will show in front of you what it means to trust him. Like Jesus did for his disciples. He took those five loaves and two fish and he thanked God. Thanking God for what he had. Not for what little he had, but what that little is going to do through the power of God. Thanking God for what we have. But with eyes of faith, what God can do through this little things that God has given into our hands is very important. Don't look at your life in a negative way. Don't look at your circumstance in a negative way because God can do mighty things with what you have. Be thankful to God for what you have and know that God can take what little you have and turn it into something by his supernatural touch. Are you ready to receive what God has for you? If you're ready, you would show new action by being a doer of the word, by being a listener. You want your faith to rise up? Then show it by action that you are a good hearer of the word. By being a doer of the word. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus.
Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your presence that is here. You have given your word to your people. This word is your word that came from heaven. Fresh word from heaven for your people. I ask you this hour, may this word do a cleansing work in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Break every chain, my father. Whatever is a stronghold in the lives of your people. May this word of God hammer those strongholds out of their lives in the name of Jesus. Strongholds of the enemy be broken down in Jesus' name. Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I ask you that you will touch your people at this hour. Whatever they may be going through, whatever problems they may be facing, whatever impossible situation it might be. Lord, whatever emptiness they may have at this hour, cause them to see their circumstances through the word that you've already given to them. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, may your people become doers of the word of God. May your people be people who have ears to hear. Hallelujah. What the spirit says to them. Morning and evening. You gave the children of Israel your manna. Those who collected it and put it to use were the ones who lived by it. Those who kept it and didn't put it to use, worms came up. It rot. Let no one be here, oh Lord, just collecting and collecting and collecting. But may your people be people who become one with the word of God. Give them wisdom, Father, as to how to make use of their time. Give them wisdom as to how to make use of the word of God that you've given to them, O oh Father. That they may live a life that is worthy of the call of God that you're placed upon their lives. That may your people move from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. Active faith. Faith that will pass the test. Faith that will show itself in action. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy that you used the very same disciples. Philip, Andrew, and the rest of them. To be partakers of the miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That through their hands, from the hands of Jesus Christ and given over to the hands of the disciples who took that step of faith. Many steps of faith. As they kept taking steps of faith, they saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Every person they went to, they were able to give more bread and more fish. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for giving many opportunities in spite of many failures so that your people can move forward from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. They may become partakers of the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they may become people of faith. That they may become people who will do the word of God. That they may become people, Lord, who will become partakers of your glory. As these disciples did. That they became partakers of the miracle power of the Lord Jesus Christ that was in action in their midst during their lifetime. In that place. For that day. 
your will was accomplished through their lives, oh God. So as your servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people this afternoon. With this blessing that you alone can bless them with, that they may make the word of God the main goal, the chief desire, that everything else may become secondary, that obeying your word may take priority above everything. And the command that God gives, the work that God gives into the hands of the people, Lord, may that take priority over everything. And they show by their lives that you are important, that your word is important, and your work is important. And may they be blessed by their obedience to you, by their faith in you, and become partakers of the blessings that you have for them in this world and in the world to come. For all those disciples who were distributing the bread and the fish also ate from the bread and the fish. They were also blessed, not only spiritually, but physically. So I pronounce this blessing upon your people. They may be blessed in every way, their soul and their bodies may prosper as a result of them becoming doers of your word, becoming people of faith, real faith, in the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.